0: You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Good morning, this is Peter Lewis welcoming you to my podcast Money Talk for Tuesday the 28th of March. In some of the top business and finance stories today, China's industrial profits slumped 22.9% in the January to February period compared to a year ago as factory activity struggled to recover from the slump caused by pandemic disruptions. China's industrial profits of around 129 billion US dollars for the latest period marked the steepest decline since April 2020. And one of the world's largest uh, shipping groups, Maersk, said China's consumers, are still stunned by COVID disruptions, and the economic rebound is weaker than expected. Vincent Clerk. The new chief executive of the world's second largest container shipping group said, When we started the year, there was this hope that as China reopens after COVID, we would see a really strong rebound. I think we've not seen it yet, he said, and he drew parallels with the outbreak of SARS in 2003. US regulators announced Monday that First Citizens Bank will buy much of Silicon Valley Bank, the lender that specializes in funding tech startups and their investors that collapsed earlier this month. The deal includes the purchase of approximately 72 billion US dollars of SVB assets at a discount of 16.5 billion. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation said yesterday the estimated cost of SVB's failure is 20 billion US dollars. And the World Bank warned yesterday that the global economy is in danger of suffering a lost decade of growth, which would be even more severe if the current financial turmoil sparked a global recession. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Asian fund management industry consultant Stuart Aldcroft, James Wong, chief executive officer at Cathasia Securities, and our US economics correspondent, writer and broadcaster Barry Wood. On Wall Street Monday, US equities built on the past two weeks of gains to close higher. Regional banks rebounded after the Silicon Valley bank deal. The S&P 500 was up 0.2% to 3,978. The Dow gained 195 points or 0.6% to end at 32,432. The Nasdaq composite though finished lower by half a percent at 11,769, capping a two-week advance. Regional banking shares staged a broad-based rally, the KBW Regional Banking Index rose 0.6% after climbing more than 3% earlier in the day, and First Citizens Bank shares surged almost 54%, its best day since 1990, after agreeing to buy much of SVB. Hong Kong shares were the worst performers in the Asia-Pacific region. The Hang Seng Index dipped 348 points, or 1.8%, to 19,568. The Hang Seng Tech Index tumbled 2.8%. And in mainland China, the Shanghai Composite fell 0.4% to 3,251. And futures markets are pointing to a fall of around 67 points, or 0.4%, for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. US Treasuries sold off on Monday as investors' concerns over the banking sector eased. The yield on the policy-sensitive two-year US Treasury was up 24 basis points to 4.02%, but it's still trading close to 100 basis points below the Fed funds rate. And the move continues a run of extraordinary volatility in the bond markets. For the 12th session out of the last 13, two-year Treasury yields have moved more than 10 basis points a day. And that's a run of wild swings not seen since 1981. Elsewhere in the markets, Brent crude oil surged over 4%, while U.S. natural gas contracts tumbled to their lowest since February and are down 23% so far this month. And you can get more details on the latest market movements on my daily blog at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. And it's time to welcome our Tuesday morning guests. We have with us Asian fund management industry consultant Stuart Aldcroft. Morning, Stuart. Good morning, Peter. And also with us, James Wong, Chief Executive Officer at Cathasia Securities. Morning to you, James. Good morning, Peter. And over in Washington, D.C., we have our U.S. economics correspondent, writer and broadcaster, Barry Wood. Great to hear from you, Barry. Good morning, Peter. Thank you. So, Stuart, every time we speak, it seems like another bank has either gone under or or about to go under. We had a couple of weekends ago, uh, three U.S. banks fail. Then last weekend, uh, or the previous weekend ago, we had uh, Credit Suisse taken over by UBS. And then this previous weekend, concerns over um, Deutsche Bank. Doesn't seem to be um, any end in sight, does there, to the, to this turmoil, but it does seem like a, it, it's a bit of a stretch to think that maybe Deutsche Bank um, is under threat.
1: Yes, I, I, I agree that it, it is a stretch, but Deutsche has for a long time not been the darling of the markets, as they say, and uh, for many years now we've had many people commenting about different weaknesses of Deutsche, and um, so any opportunity to to, to force it down a little bit further seems to be being taken, especially by the media for some reason or another. But uh, I think you're quite right. I don't think Deutsche is in the same sort of uh, difficulties uh, and nothing like the same sort of difficulties that uh, we've seen with um, Credit Suisse and certainly not the same as, as the various American banks that have have gone down recently mm. um, certainly i think it very likely that it, there will be a lot of support particularly in germany for it uh, for Deutsche. so I, I i would be a great deal less worried um about that but the banking sector as a whole is under a lot of pressure from markets um and and i think that uh, any excuse to have a have a a, a series of negative comments, is taken up by the media very rapidly.
0: Mm. Is there any sort of reason to be worried? Because the thing is, you're right, Deutsche Bank is a profitable bank. It has good capital adequacy ratios. But I suppose the problem is, when investors lose confidence in the banking system, none of that really matters anymore, does it? It all seems to go out the window.
1: No, and and that is partly the problem. Um, There's always reason to be worried, because we, we... don't live in a world where everything has got a cast iron guarantee that mm. doesn't exist uh, well p- possibly in china but not necessarily outside china um but i do think that um we have to be a little bit wary of some of the commentaries that we are seeing in the media too um i don't think you should always believe everything that is written there mm. and um particularly when um, it is seen to be weakening. But but remember that some of this is also being stimulated by analysts and uh, uh, stock traders, particularly those that want to go short on a stock and therefore try to make a profit by causing their share price to go down a lot. And uh, that, that has certainly been the way with some of the banks, and many other companies too. It's not just the banking sector that uh, suffers like that. uh, It'll be other industries as well.
0: James, when you sit here and watch this from Asia, do you agree with Stuart, first of all, that maybe China's banks do have rock-solid guarantees from from the government behind them, and we shouldn't be worried? Uh, Yeah, I I believe that. And I can't say the same about uh, banks anywhere
2: else as well. And uh, I I think the uh, the Deutsche Bank... uh, if, if there's anything happening to, to Deutsche Bank, uh, Germany is going to uh, come out and bail out, bail out uh, Deutsche. So, uh, that's not really anything that we need to worry about. But, uh, the scale and the, the breadth of a crisis, uh, happening in a investment bank and in a commercial bank is vastly different. And in, in terms of CS, we can see, oh, so, so, uh, for the, for one weekend, uh, People were talking about CS going down going under. And then the uh for the next two trading days, people were talking about cocoa bonds and their AT ones. And uh I remember being pretty scared for that Monday after CS was going under, uh or, or C S was being uh bought out by uh UBS because back then, uh in that same afternoon Every eighty-one bond in Asia markets has halted trading. Uh, in In Hong Kong, in Thailand, in Japan, there was a quote on Bloomberg, but those were fake because no one was re- actually trading them. And uh, there <clears throat> were some small to medium banks that were offering zero percent LTV ratios. So basically, their risk control departments are creating risk for uh, the mm-hmm. down uh, downfall of CS. So, so that's. The one thing that I was worried about for Deutsche, if there is anything happening to Deutsche, so the the products and its bonds that might be used as collateral for other products uh, <laughs> could cause some kind of uh, chaos in the market. But again, if anything happened to Deutsche Bank, I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure Germany
0: is going to come out and b- bail it out.
1: I, I entirely agree with that, Tomes.
0: Barry, oh, you're in the Thank eye of really. the storm over there. Um, tell us a bit, first of all, about First Citizens Bank that's, that's just bought um, most of Silicon Valley Bank. I don't really know an awful lot about them.
3: Well, I don't think very many people do. And uh, I must confess, I don't either. It's based in Raleigh, North Carolina, which is some distance away from Charlotte, which is thought to be, you know, the banking center of the South. In fact, Bank of America after some of the mergers following the 2008-9 crisis, uh, moved its headquarters from San Francisco to Charlotte. But this is a Raleigh bank. They are known for picking up distressed assets. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned at the top, Peter, this uh, stock price has soared. So they think they're getting a good deal. Uh, I find it interesting in the context of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation when Mr. Martin Grunberg says that the loss to the FDIC is $20 billion.
0: Now, now presumably the treasury secretary is been
3: so careful to say there's no bailout. There's no government bailout of these West coast banks, the two that are in trouble, the one taken over. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's. I'm sure that the Treasury Department is happy that they found a buyer. Uh, the market certainly liked it initially. Uh, what about First Republic? I see there. That's the San Francisco bank that uh, has been in trouble. Their share price was up what 11 percent today. So, I, I must say, you know, if I can just jump to the broader question, I give the insurance corporation and particularly Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Jay Powell at the Fed very high marks. I think so far they've contained this problem. I'm not sure it's a crisis, and uh, uh, let me ask James and and Stuart, who are experts in this, do you think this crisis in the States has, has peaked and is now
1: going behind us? Um, Barry, I don't think it has, no, because I think this is a, a, there's a contagion effect going on at the moment, um, and, a, and it wouldn't at all surprise me if there aren't a lot of analysts out there just going over many other bank uh, balance sheets to see which one they think they can short next. Uh, I think part of the problem, and, and this is the same issue that uh, has occurred in Europe in um, 2008 uh, and, and uh, 2000 as well, um, it, A part of the problem is that there are probably far too many banks. Many of them are small but banks. Many of them are sort of country and regional banks. And so with so many out there um, that uh, uh, this is in America, of course, Um, with so many out there, it's inevitable, probably, that there will be some that are are not going to survive this crisis and uh, they will be a suitable target for those that um, have better assets, better capitalized and, and better managed.
0: James, what do you think? Do you give high marks also for the way it's been handled? Well, I
2: think I think if we are judging from the FRAOIS spread, the three-month spread, uh, you, we can see the uh, the the time that the market was most scared was when SVB went down, and uh, after that, even uh, there was news about CS, there was news about a uh, uh, First Republic, the uh, FRAOIS spread was not as high as when uh, the uh, uh, SVB went down. So it, it went from a single digit 3 to a reading of 60, and then went down to 40, and then after CS went up to 50, it's now around 40. So from that reading alone, we can see that uh, the, the the chaos or the contagion is uh, pretty much under control. But the, I think um, the, the only thing that it needs to, the market needs for the uh, contagion to be uh, uh, reignited is another rating agency uh, downgrading another bank because uh, it, it's it's pretty obvious that running a balance sheet for banks right now is getting extremely hard and uh, duration management at a environment where rates are high at a long at, at uh, higher for
1: longer is not just as easy.
2: I suppose. Well, par- I,
1: uh, Sorry, Stuart. One other thing I would just add to to this conversation, if I may, Peter. Um, is that in the U.S. as you've highlighted, First Citizens was um, having having bought up the SVP branches um, has suddenly been re-rated upwards because of the potential profit that they are likely to make. Um, FDIC having um, in effect guaranteed the assets they bought the they bought the bank uh, they bought the S- S- sVb at a at a big discount. Um, but I think that this is going to be exactly the same thing that people will find with UBS and Credit Suisse eventually. I think that we will find that um, UBS will take a look through the assets of Credit Suisse, see what they can sell off, and, and they'll probably make a lot of money out of it. There are certainly quite a few assets that I think we can um, immediately look at which are worth as much or more than they've actually paid for the whole bank, so uh, you mm. know this is this is, mm. this is what it's all about at the moment. Um, it's, it's having the confidence of the market to run uh, the, the bank properly and and get better re-
0: yields, better returns from them. As Warren Buffett, as Austin said, <laughs> "The time to buy is when everyone else is afraid."
1: <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> well, actually, True. it was John Templeton who said it first, but. Uh, Warren Buffett then changed it for his own purpose.
0: Yes. (laughs) I suppose, Barry, the next stage of this is going to be casting around for who's to blame and what needs to be done to prevent it in the future. So there's going to be a lot of focus, isn't there, on the management of these banks like SVB, like Credit Suisse, and in particular their internal risk controls and i suppose there's also going to be focus on the fed as well in terms of did it take its eye off the ball in terms of regulation and do the regulations need to be tightened going forward
3: yes you're absolutely right and this is going to happen quickly because this week in washington will be the first in a series of hearings on what happened with svb and the former chief of that bank he has escaped. Wait, that's, that's my word. That's, that's wrong, of course. He probably just had a house in Hawaii, but he's in Hawaii. He's, of course, no longer the chairman, the president of SVB, but he's going to come under a lot of criticism because of his lack of proper risk management. And in fact, they didn't have any risk management person active in the bank at, uh, for the past year. So I think they they are going to go after SVB. It gets a bit complicated because that is a bank that is very politically correct. It has had everything right in terms of doing things on the environment and and, and inclusion and diversity. So that'll be interesting. But Elizabeth Warren, she's got her uh, her her weapons ready to go after them. Michael Barr, the uh, Treasury, Sorry, the Federal Reserve chairman in charge of banking. I mean, I've got his title wrong. He's the vice chairman of the Fed. He's going to be testifying before the Congress. So, yeah, they're going to go after that. But uh, I think first they've got to wrap up this uh, First Republic thing because that isn't resolved.
0: Do you think they'll be focused on the Fed as well, first of all, in terms of regulation? Did it take its eye off the ball? And also, um, do you think people will be looking at the Fed and saying, well, maybe, you know, you are the root cause of this because you were too late in responding to signals that there was surging inflation. And then when you did respond, you had to really slam on the brakes, raising interest rates 500 basis points in just over a year. And that's the root cause of this problem. Oh is that for me um anyone yeah James you chime in
2: uh yeah yeah i think I think Fed actually responded pretty quickly this time for uh working together with treasury to to come up with uh twenty five billion dollars to save uh the uninsured deposits for s b b but yes, if we go back in time and uh, when uh, found out the period when uh, uh Jeremy Powell power defined inflation. As uh, uh, as temporary, that was a yeah. really big mistake. That that was something that everybody knew that was wrong. But then uh, there was nothing that we could do to correct him. But then there was this huge inflation, and uh, I think the way that he hiked interest rates were not that uh, wrong, and uh, the way that he handled these crises were were pretty pretty effective. I think uh, Jim Powell had a way, had his way with the market, uh, and he learned how to at least somewhat manipulate the market sentiment better than uh, Janet Yellen ever did. So, so yeah, I think you're absolutely
3: right on that, <laughs> James. I, I, yeah. I really agree with that. I think that this low key approach from those three key players, the head of the FDIC, the Fed and Treasury, has been effective so far. Jay Powell in particular, he only spoke on the crisis last Wednesday when he had his press conference. And yeah. by the way, I think it was rather courageous for him to go ahead on the interest rate rise that he did. So I think uh, Treasury is hoping, and, and Janet Yellen is the key player. She, too, has been very low-key. Their major concern is to avoid a massive kind of bailout, a need to step in. Because they've already said – They will step in if there is trouble in the banking sector that affects another bank. And that hasn't happened yet. So we'll see what happens. But so far, so good. At least that's my reading. I I, I
1: agree with all that. I don't think the Fed is to blame Peter. Um, And in any event, they were very clear in flagging interest rate rises. So it is the mismanagement of... uh, of many of the assets owned by the
0: banks. It's probably more to blame for these problems. Well, let's turn our attention to China. Premier Li said yesterday that China will remain open no matter what happens and maintain steady economic growth. He was addressing the China Development Forum in Beijing, and he said we will align with international economic and trade rules that are of very high standards, expand our opening up in a steady and systematic way, and strive to create a first-class business environment that market-oriented, rule market-orientated, rule-of-law-based, and internationalised. And China's Commerce Minister Wang Wentao told delegates at the same forum that China wants foreign companies, including those from the US, to continue uh, to invest in the country. And Vice Premier uh, Ding said opening up to the outside world is an indispensable major national policy. So, James, we've had this uh, development forum going on in Beijing. We've got the Bao Forum starting today, haven't we, which is sort of China's equivalent of Davos. A lot of focus yes. now on trying to reassure foreign companies to come and stay in China and also trying to promote a much more business-friendly image, particularly towards private companies.
2: Uh, Yes, uh, we would like to see how that goes. Yeah, because right now, uh, according to to an article from Bloomberg yesterday, uh, Americans have not been interested in investing in China. I mean, uh, uh, put China in the top three uh, regions of investments uh, for the past three years, and uh, it's uh, for for the past year. And it's the first time in history that Americans are not that interested in investing in China, and uh, there are about fifteen. Percent of the European companies that were invested in China pulling out, and uh, yes, I think China has uh, has a strong initiative or desire to draw these uh, investments back, and uh, I think they are uh, making efforts. I think uh, people are uh, more uh, open to the idea of China being reopened, and that's I think that's a good development. But we would like to see how how far that goes.
1: Uh, James, James, uh, I, I
3: think. John Barry. I'll just jump in if I can. I, I, I think you're absolutely right, James, that um, people are in this country, the states, are very reluctant to be seen as putting their money in China. Uh, yes, Tim Cook is in Beijing now. That uh, probably is not a surprise given Apple's really uh, intense relationship with China. But yes. what happened last week with uh, TikTok and that poor chairman from Singapore who testified for five hours and was targeted by every member. There is an environment here in Washington that is so profoundly anti-China on security grounds (laughs) that I think it's shocking. And the business community will be very slow, I think, to move back towards China in a way that they can see would hurt them publicly here in the States
1: yeah i i think that it's, um, it's, what's going on in washington as far as china is concerned is is quite damaging uh for the for the relationship uh, you you're quite right um i think what you've got to remember peter with this particular issue uh, and and the Forum, this is Pres- uh, prime minister lee's first uh, opportunity He's, this is the new uh, prime minister lee uh, lee kang i think um, and uh, this is the first time he's been able to start talking on the public stage to the rest of the world. And so he's come up with some, what I would regard, very positive statements, um, very much more um, looking towards a, a positive future rather than a negative future as China continues to open up to the rest of the world. And I think this is this should be seen as a, as, as a much more positive sign from a new prime minister in China. Who 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 probably wants to make a name for himself? Uh, he's had uh, quite a few years of uh, pupilage, so he's got the opportunity now of of, of um, leading China into a new sort of exi- new era, new existence.
0: James, there's an interesting side story to all of this, and that's Jack Ma. He's been seen back in China now after an absence of uh, <laughs> of, of three years. He was visiting a school in Huangzhou, uh, where Alibaba um, is headquartered. It seems that the Chinese government has been sort of expending quite a lot of effort to persuade him um, to go back because it is the one glaring Thing that sort of cuts against uh, this effort to be business friendly and to encourage entrepreneurs when you've probably driven your your biggest entrepreneur out of the country. So is this significant? Uh, I think it's uh, it's entertaining, but and uh, it's especially
2: <laughs> entertaining uh, when you observe the news flow of how Jack Ma was observed inside or out. <laughs> China within a single day, and that reflects on the stock price of Alibaba. That that was extremely entertaining, and uh, there was several <laughs> several stories about him refusing to go back to China and was focusing on agriculture. And then there there was stories about him being spotted in a tunnel in Hangzhou. So yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, we are uh, at least we we were told now that he is actually in China, and I think that's a good news for. Entrepreneurs, especially the first generation entrepreneurs who built up the uh, the enterprises that that is now actually dominating the the Chinese people's lives, and uh, so they can uh, basically, if we're looking at uh, Alibaba, Baidu, Tencent, all these uh, enterprises has been uh, run by professional managers and second generation professional managers. They're 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 founders. Uh, or, st- or all of the uh, their funders, except for Tuan, stepped back. So uh, people can know now, even if you step back, even if you've given up uh, uh, power to uh, professional managers and uh, provides profits for the country, you can still live a pretty good life inside of China. I think that's a, yeah, that's a positive message.
1: Uh, I think, well, <laughs> well, I'm amused by two things. First of all, um, apparently Jack Ma spent the weekend in Hong Kong but it was only once he got to China that it made the news, especially in Hong Kong. <laughs> and, but secondly, it's probably more important, not the fact that he's gone back to China and he's doing a few things in China, it's what he'll do next. Will he be allowed out of China after this <laughs> visit uh, to go back to where he he, he may have been living, which I'm, which many people believe is in Thailand recently. So... Um, I think let's let's see what happens don't allow too much of the rhetoric to get in in front of us but I think it's what what, whether he'll be allowed to leave China at the end of this visit uh, which will also be quite important but I I agree with what you're saying James Um, it's a it's a little bit of a public show going on at the moment let's see let's see what happens next.
0: Barry, you mentioned Tim Cook uh, of Apple, the CEO of Apple, being in China, and um, he was talking about the symbiotic relationship that Apple has um, with China and how they've both grown together. Is, is Apple an exception in terms of its access to China markets, or is, is this what's going on in the US? Despite uh, the, the sanctions that the US is putting on a lot of Chinese companies, there are still business people like Tim Cook who are going out to China and, and doing business.
3: Absolutely. And we're joined at the hip. I I just believe that passionately, that um, the business relationship, the trade relationship, nothing is changing. And I don't think it will change. And, you know, Jim Cook of Apple can say all he wants about uh, uh, I'm using uh, uh, ear pods now. I I noticed that uh, they're made in Vietnam. Well, that's that's a small product for Apple. Uh, Most of the Apple assembly take all of it for Apple phones, for for laptops, for uh, uh, iPads. They're all assembled in China and then sent all over the world uh, by FedEx and UPS from China. So that relationship is not going to be uh, uh, Tim Cook's presence in Beijing. uh, You could say is courageous because there weren't very many other Americans there, I understand. But uh, uh, Tim Cook and uh, Elon Musk of Tesla these are real people who are deeply involved in China.
1: James, it's, it's it's quite clear that um, business generally has an entirely different relationship with China than politicians. Um, it's not unusual. There are many other American firms that are manufacturing in China, including uh, autos as well. Um, so Ford have got a, a factory there and some other, Chrysler, I think, has got a factory. Um, but it's, it, you know, there, there are lots of um, um, American businesses that are still manufacturing in China, exporting to uh, the U.S. and around the rest of the world. Uh, so the business relationship is generally harmonious. Uh, it is yep. the politicians that are the ones that are causing the problem. And, um, and, and they seem to like to stoke up the problem rather than let it uh, fall away.
0: James, finally, I want to ask you about the economic recovery in China. Um, Yesterday, one of the world's largest shipping groups, Maersk, said China's consumers are still stunned by COVID disruptions and the economic rebound is weaker than expected. Vincent Clegg, who's the new chief executive of the world's second largest container group, said, when we started uh, the year, there was this hope that as China reopens after COVID, we would see a really strong rebound. But he says, we've not seen it yet. I'm wondering, is, is that chiming at all with what you're seeing up on the mainland?
2: Uh, yeah, I think, I think Maris was talking about, uh, the, uh, <coughs> the cargo ships and the logistics, uh, demands. And that, that's, that's pretty much sure not recovered just yet. And if we're looking at January and February sh- uh, figures, uh, it's, it's, it's not, not pretty. And, uh, but that's the thing that most of us has anticipated because, uh, we, we've known that the three engines that is driving the Chinese economy Including uh, foreign trades, uh, consumer consumption, and uh, uh, real estate. And I think that the only thing that was worth expecting was uh, is uh, real estate. So we're expecting like more stimulus packages or uh, policy loosening, regulation, uh, regulation policy loosening for real estate uh, to uh, emerge this year, and uh, we think there are more to come.
1: Stuart. Uh, I I have no more comment to make that. uh, I agree with what he's just said.
0: Barry, final word to you. I just want to get your quick thoughts on the World Bank warning yesterday that the global economy is in danger of suffering what they called a lost decade of growth, which they say will be even more severe if the current financial turmoil uh, sparked a global recession. Uh, in new research, the World Bank said the COVID-19 pandemic and Russia's invasion of Ukraine were set to create lasting damage to economic performance, which is going to undermine efforts to improve global living standards, reduce poverty, and address climate change. What do you make of that, Barry?
3: Nonsense. I think that it's um, grossly <laughs> too pessimistic. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Uh, look, they are an organisation that increasingly is using its clients in Africa, Latin America, and the poor parts of Asia, and to be their spokesman. If the Ukraine war goes badly, yes, they could be right. If the global economy falls into recession, yes, they can be right. But to say that a decade of lost growth is ahead of us, I think that is just sheer nonsense
0: okay well that's a good way to end i think uh, we're
1: well, all on the same page as far as the world bank yeah, so, they uh, do uh, they <laughs> do have this
0: reputation of being very pessimistic don't they but thank Cheers. you very much for your thoughts there you heard our u.s economics correspondent writer and broadcaster barry wood who's over in washington dc james wong who's chief executive officer at cathasia securities and asian fund management industry consultant stuart Aldcroft. <laughs> Thank you for listening this morning. I hope you found the discussion informative. I'll be back tomorrow morning uh, with more uh, Money Talk. And I'm going to be joined by personal wealth advisor Enzio von Fahl, Sunil Kashap, who's director of FinMet, and then with a view from Japan is Tokyo-based journalist and author William Pesick. Hope to catch up with you then. Money
3: Talk.